By the time we are together, it may be cooler and wetter. But as I record this, I extend to you a very warm welcome on behalf of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, Kingston, and in the name of Jesus Christ. How thankful I have been this past week for a trusty fan by my desk at home and for being able to turn on the tap once in a while to wet my head and enjoy the cooling sensation of evaporation. Well, as I felt the water flow down over my head, I was reminded of other waters, the waters of baptism poured over us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our baptism into the life and death and resurrection of the Christ, and into the continual renewal that by Holy Spirit we experience in body, mind, and soul by the grace of God in Christ. Whatever the challenges, what, whatever the day. Well, we begin this morning, this Sabbath morn, by placing ourselves in that great array of saints and sinners who have been gathered in Christ, by Christ, to follow him through life. Let us begin with a hymn of praise at the dawning of salvation. Canadian spoken word artist Andrew Russell has produced a new video. It's entitled Draw Near, 
I placed um, the link on our church website, but I'd, I'd like to just share a few of the lines. Listen, right now our world is gripped by fear, drawing our curtains and video chatting with peers, but is it possible that in this chaos God is drawing near? I see this pandemic as a golden opportunity, a time when the church changes how we even do community. And even though we're isolated, we still have unity. COVID-19 has us all running for safety, looking for shelter. I'm reading Psalm 91 daily, reminded to run to my real shelter. I'm rested under his wings, his praises I sing. See, brothers and sisters, he never leaves us alone. Emmanuel, he is with us, even in the quarantine zone. So fear can stay far away from our home. Loneliness, find a different place to roam. Depression and frustration cannot make me feel alone. Let us join with Andrew Russell and so many others in turning once again to Psalm 91, and let us read it responsibly. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Because, because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Amen.
In some destination towns, you are able to come across Christmas boutiques all year long. But as strange as it seems, I've, I've never come across an Easter one. For weeks before Christmas, you hear Christmas carols being sung everywhere. But in the weeks and even the days before Easter, strange as it seems, I never hear Easter songs. But of course, it's Easter that is foundational for us as Christians. The narratives of our Lord's birth were written long after the resurrection of our Lord was proclaimed. And the incarnation has meaning because of the resurrection. At the heart of the life and the faith of the first Christians was the resurrection of their Lord, Jesus alive after death. Well, to maintain this perspective in later generations, there was a time when in our branch of the Church of Christ, the Reformed or Presbyterian branch, any celebration of Christmas was scorned. In fact, any special day at all, even Easter. Why? Because they insisted that every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every gathering of Christians is a celebration of the resurrection of Lord. Every service of worship is one hosted by the risen Lord Jesus. Well, we might consider that now a bit extreme, but perhaps we understand the point they made. Either way, our gospel lesson now is of the first Easter morn, in the resurrection light of which we gather this morning. Read from the Gospel of Matthew by Susanna. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. Let us begin with a prayer. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word, and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to, the, to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. 
Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. These weeks of summer, I have invited you to explore with me some of the hymns of Christian faith from across the ages. The songs of Christians began on that first Easter day. And thereafter, neighbor sang to neighbor and generation sang to generation. Last Sunday, we joined with the church of the year 275. And this morning, we will sing with the church around the year 726, the day of resurrection, earth tell it out abroad. By this time, Christians have been singing their Easter faith for almost 700 years. Initially, they sang while they were being disowned by their families who worshipped other gods or being persecuted by emperors who considered themselves gods. When Christianity was declared legal within the empire of Rome, the followers of Jesus continued their singing now even more fully as they lived and shared their faith with their families and neighbors and with all peoples around them, with the Celts and the Gauls, the Saxons, the Franks. The hymn that we sing this morning was written by one who came to be known in English as John of Damascus. He was born around the year 676, a child of a prominent Syrian family who were Christian. His grandfather had been influential in helping the nation adjust to their new Muslim governors, and his father served in the court of the Umayyad Caliph. John was raised in a Muslim society, and his father encouraged him to study the Muslim books and also the philosophers of the Greeks, but always as a committed and growing Christian. As a young man, John felt the call to serve God in the church, and he found his way to a monastery near Jerusalem. John of Damascus, as he came to be known, was appreciated for his poetry and his theological writings, and in particular, his spirited defense of the use of icons in religious meditation and worship. Icon, the Greek word for image. Some came to oppose the use of icons in sanctuaries and in homes, claiming that this would constrain our ability to think of the Holy One who is beyond, beyond description, might even distract us as human beings. But John believed that a thing of beauty, an image of beauty, might actually create a space that God could fill in a wonderful way, that God could use an image as a medium by which the divine could reach out and touch us. Hear these words of John. 
when the invisible one becomes visible to flesh, you may then draw a likeness of his form. When he who is a pure spirit, without form or limit, immeasurable in the boundlessness of his own nature, existing as God, takes upon himself the form of a servant in substance and in stature, and a body of flesh, well then you may draw his likeness and show it to anyone willing to contemplate it. Depict his ineffable condescension, his virginal birth, his baptism in the Jordan, his transfiguration on Tabor, his all-powerful sufferings, his death and miracles, the proofs of his Godhead, the deeds which he worked in the flesh through divine power, his saving cross, his sepulchre, and resurrection and ascent into heaven. Give to it all the endurance of engraving and color. John wrote. This is an icon from Syria, produced about a century before John of Damascus. It's found in a volume from the year 586. It's known as the Rabula Gospels, named after its scribe and artist, Rabula. It's one of only a few from that time that's made it to our day. It's a remarkable work for its bright colors, its movement, its drama and expressiveness. This particular scene portrays the first Easter morn. The tomb opened, the guards curled up and quaking on the ground. The heavenly messenger seated on the stone rolled away, telling the women on the left that the tomb is empty. Jesus has been raised. And on the right, the risen Lord himself calling out to those women, Hail! Greetings! And commissioning them as the first witnesses of the resurrection to declare to his fearful disciples the good news. Yea, women! Women, the first apostles! Well, John of Damascus was appreciative of icons, of religious images, but he was no artist himself. He shared his Christian faith with words. The hymn that we're about to sing is based upon one of his poems. In it, he conjures up the time when the angel of death passed over the homes of the ancient Israelites in Egypt, and they passed over from slavery into freedom, which John declares is fulfilled and extended in the resurrection of Jesus, the ultimate Passover for us from life through death into life anew. John invites Christians in this poem to listen ourselves in our day for the voice of this risen Lord, his greeting and his calling. And John writes, John in fact sings of the deep joy and strength of being a Christian, of knowing in Jesus Christ that this life is filled with meaning and with purpose, even in the midst of its challenges. In the 11 centuries since John of Damascus, through the rise and fall of empires, in times of peace and times of war, through dark ages and middle ages, through renaissance and reformation, through ages of industrialization and urbanization and globalization, even unto this age, 
Christian has sung to Christian, and generations of Christians have sung to their whole generation. And now we take up this Easter chorus, even in this time and place. The day of resurrection, earth, tell it out abroad. But the truth is that we sing our Easter faith in many ways more than this hymn or any hymn. Beatrice and I were planning this week a visit, a reunion with our three children next month in August. Well, for some reason, a scene came to mind of many years ago when Emmanuel, who's now 29, was only two. It was a long winter, and whenever she heard that I was leaving the house, she would run to the front, front door and fetch my, my winter boots. And then she would struggle to carry these huge Kaufman sorrels to me so I could put them on my feet. But what I also remembered was that this routine of hers continued long after the snow had melted, when I no longer needed my sorrels, but instead I needed my wellies or even my runners. Well, I thought of Emmanuel, and I thought how natural it is, whatever age, to be like her at age two. Not realizing in our innocence, or refusing to admit in our self-centeredness, that the season has changed, that we continue to live in, in our situation according to the dictates and routines of a season that's past. But there are some who somehow, sometime, have been touched by the presence of the risen Lord, who realize that things have changed and they live into a new season of grace. They who believe that God has worked a new beginning in the resurrection of Jesus and in their lives. Now with new priorities, new understandings, new possibilities, a people known as Christian. You remember the verses that John read from Colossians 3 last Sunday? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Forgive one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Sing psalms, hymns, and sacred songs. Sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. Well, that passage begins intentionally, clearly, and foundationally with a very particular sentence. You have been raised to life with Christ. So set your hearts on the ways of heaven. We are filled with the joy of the resurrection. We are filled with joy, not only the resurrection of Jesus, but our resurrection, our life now, our new life now in him. This is not just a promise. It is an experience. We're filled with joy because we now can enjoy a life anew with God and with each other. This past week, I spoke with Anne-Marie Mortensen. They've begun up their summer classes of theater art for youth here at St. Andrews. Physical distancing, I'm sure, is helping with the disciplines of projection and articulation. 
Well, Emory told me something wonderful. She said last summer at the classes, she was repeatedly having to remind the students that there was to be no activity on social media until break time or at the end of class. But this summer, this summer she's astounded. The phones don't even come out of their pockets. The youth are simply enjoying each other's company two meters apart. What these youth have learned through this time of pandemic, we have learned through Jesus Christ. That fullness of life is found in loving God and loving neighbor. And this is a love that's made possible by the new life we know in Jesus, raised from the dead and reigning now. I quoted at the beginning of this hour some lines from the recent work of Andrew Russell, entitled Draw Near. I'd like to conclude with some more lines. Listen, right now our world is gripped by fear, drawing our curtains and video chatting with peers, but is it possible that in this chaos God is drawing near? This is the time, my friends, for the seeds of revival to grow, a time for our hurried people to lay low and live slow, a time to fall into his hands and for his children to grow close, a time to lift up our hands and know that he's close. This is a time where we need to encourage one another, share the good news to those paralyzed watching the daily news, tell them the truth about the one who healed the paralyzed and made them all new. He is the great healer and savior who came to save us all. He is God and this virus a wake-up call. So draw near, speak against fear. And I would add, sing with joy. The day of resurrection, earth tell it out abroad. For Christ the Lord hath risen, and our joy hath no end. Amen.
We continue now as we approach our God in prayer, and as we do so, as I'm sure with you, I have particular individuals and peoples in my mind and heart. Here in Kingston, I have the tent city at Belle Isle Park. Since the beginning of May, dozens of individuals have been living in tents on this temporary campground. They're without housing that they can afford, and even if there were places in the shelters of this city, there are places where couples are separated, pets and belongings not allowed, and they have to be vacated throughout the long day. So living in a tent may be challenging, but at least it's a place to call your own, and there is community around. These tents are a cry within our city for care and for justice. One of you sent me a link this week of a village in Burkina Faso on the interior of the West African nation on the edge of the Sahara. It seems like many of us have become residents of this town with the heat wave this past week. The slideshow highlighted the beautiful designs and the mud and wattle walls of the homes. But what caught my attention was this particular slide, showing the entrance of a house over which was painted, Jesus is my Savior. And I pray as I think of that home and that village, that my life might proclaim the same in this community of humanity. And thirdly, each Sunday a portion of our offerings goes to support the work of Christ through the church beyond this congregation. Presbyterian sharing, we support, and through it, we help new churches, for example, here in Canada be developed. This week, I heard about the Well Church in Mississauga, Ontario, started with a group of only 13 members. It was inspired by a vision to become a welcoming space for second-generation immigrants, and they developed a new style of evangelism and worship. In three years, this community of faith has grown. It's become a home for many young people who had strayed from the church. So let us pray for all who are making space for a new generation of believers. Please join me in this prayer of thanksgiving, of supplication, and of intercession. Let us pray. O God, beside rivers that have been flowing through millennia, upon rock that has witnessed generations of human history, O God, we approach you now aware how weak we are in every way and how transitory are our days. But you, O Lord, are from everlasting to everlasting, and you hold all times and peoples in your hands. You have made humanity in your own image, You've come running after us in Jesus to embrace us. You've breathed into us your own spirit. Within our mortal lives, you've planted eternity. And in these common days, you lead us into truth and understanding. So now from this short hour and under the low ceilings of our homes, we lift up our lives to you. O God, you who are almighty and compassionate, hear us as we acknowledge that these days are hard for us. It's not just been the heat, it's the suffering. 
the suffering of those isolated and neglected in our crowded cities, of families fraying by insecurity, of communities coming undone by fear and frustration, of nations being divided by racism and violence, and of all creation suffering abuse. We hardly know what to pray, and yet pray we must. And so we pray, O great God of all, have mercy upon us. For all who suffer this day in body, mind, or soul, have mercy and hold. For all who are at work with protest and compassion in the face of powers and principalities, O God, have mercy and sustain. For all who bear the responsibility of leadership amongst the nations in perilous times, have mercy and grant wisdom. Hear us, O God, as we lift up our prayers personal now in this time of silence. Hear us as we pray. O God, even as we lift up these prayers of supplication and intercession, and entrust those names and even ourselves to your good hands. We also lift up our thanks for the deep joy that remains within us through it all. Thanks be to you, eternal God, for the resurrection of Jesus and for all that it promises. Because of his resurrection, we're no longer overwhelmed by what's wrong in us or in our world. For you've proven yourself able to bring new life even from the grave. Because of his resurrection, we no longer fear death. For Christ is risen and his resurrection we share. Because of his resurrection, you've made us into a people who will not be robbed of hope, who shall not be broken. Christ is alive and all creation will ring with joy, with justice, with love and praise. So all praise be to you, O God. We lift up this, our prayer, in the name of Jesus and continue in the words he taught us together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his favor upon you and grant you peace. This day and your every day. Amen.